Hey everybody, come on in. Well, KB44, KB44, it's your first periscope. Or are you lucky? Imagine your first periscope being this one. It's like you won the lottery. Good to see you all, <clears throat> all my regulars. And before we get going, what do we need? You know what we need. We need the simultaneous sip, and all you need for that is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tank or gels, or stein, a canteen, drink, or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, the dopamine hit of the day, the thing that makes everything better including the pandemic, racism, the economy, you name it. It's called the simultaneous sip and it happens now. Go. Mm. All key indicators improving. So a number of people have contacted me uh, in a variety of ways to say that my uh, evening periscopes had been very beneficial to them. Uh, during the pandemic, and I appreciate that, and I wish I could keep doing that all the time, but having a morning thing and an evening thing seven days a week is really hard. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if you realize how hard it is to do two live streams a day, but here's my suggestion. Um, I'm trying to get married uh, one of these days soon, assuming we can get all the details worked out. Everything's harder in coronavirus times, but I won't be able to add that to my schedule anytime soon. However, I would give you this advice. Have you experimented with turning off the news for a day has any, and, and not watching your Twitter for a day? Has anybody, has anybody done that just as an experiment? I've, I've done that, and it is amazing how different you feel. Because the news and social media is literally designed to make you get all wound up. And it does it really well. It does it so well. And if you just turn it off, and what I find is if I can turn it off like 5 p.m., I still have all the knowledge I need, but I don't get all the extra you know, worrying. And you just go outside. Um, for example... During the worst of the pandemic and the economy is falling apart and there's protests. And if I look at my screens, the whole world is falling apart. Everything I pick up, it's like, ah, oh, pick up my phone. Ah, the world is falling apart. Turn on the TV. Ah, look at Twitter. Ah, the world is falling apart. And then I would just go for a walk. And I'd walk outside and I'd look around and i think, there's really nothing different. <laughs> For most of us, for a lot of people, you know, great disruption, of course. We're not minimizing that. But for the, the great majority of us, things were kind of normal in our little individual lives. It didn't change that much. And I'm not sure if any of that other stuff that's, you know, brewing around the country will make that much difference. So here's some perspective. The coronavirus is not going to stop killing people anytime soon, but the number of people it kills is now so small relative to the population of Earth that it doesn't really warrant the same kind of worry it used to. 
Now, you should still do the, you know, the minimum of you know, medically uh, advisable behavior, but it doesn't look like it's going to be the killer that changes the world you know, in, in some permanent way. It's pretty obvious now that we'll get through it. So if you have any questions, you know, will we get through it, I think that's answered. The answer is, yeah, we will. Will some hospitals have impact? Probably. Will people die who shouldn't have died if we'd done things differently? Yes. But that's a decision that we've made, and I don't think it hurts that Independence Day fell where it did. Do you think about, have you thought about the, uh, the psychological importance, at least in the United States, the fact that Independence Day, literally Independence Day, fell exactly where it did in, the, in terms of our thinking about you know, being shut down and the coronavirus and all that. And I think you saw the outcome. At least young people just said, well, I'm done. I think the young people just said, I, I don't believe your science. Probably I should have gone to work the whole time because I'm young. My risk was low. People just said, well, how about independence? Now, I don't know if that's the right decision or the wrong decision, but it doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter if if people going out and exposing themselves is right or wrong, because it's going to happen. <laughs> you know, if if there was some choice about, oh, maybe people will go back to the masks and, you know, full protection, but I don't think there's any chance of that. I think it is what it is. So let's just deal with what it is, which is a lot of people will die, but not a lot of people compared to all the people in the world, and we live in a risky world. So, of course, if I'm the one who dies, I'll feel pretty bad about it, but nonetheless, humans have chosen freedom over safety. We have explicitly chosen freedom over safety, uh, at least freedom over complete safety, complete safety. All right, so just turn off the news and you'll feel fine. Believe me, it works really well. Also, make sure that you get exercise every day. Have you experimented with this yet? When the, when the pandemic got kicked off, or first was getting kicked off, one of the things I told you is to get exercise every day. Go for a walk at least. You know, do something every day. And I've experimented with what happens when I don't. If, I, you know, if something happens and events overtake me and I can't exercise on a day that I plan to, and then I test, and then I consciously say, okay, today I did not exercise. How do I feel tonight? And you can really tell. You can really tell. Um, I don't sleep well. My mood isn't the same. It's completely different. So if you're feeling that your mood is not good and you didn't exercise today, well, you have something to try that probably has an 85% chance of improving your mood. Um, I am loving seeing the Kanye panic that is being caused on the left because people assume that if Kanye ran as some kind of a third party or independent, he would take more votes from the left than the right and guarantee Trump the victory. So it is funny to watch their... their, um, their panic on that. And at the same time, they don't want to go too hard at Kanye, but they kind of don't want him in there. And I love the fact that we don't know yet if he's serious. (laughs) 
You know, how serious is Kanye? Uh, or, and even more to the point, does he need to be serious? Because Kanye could just put the thought out there and see what happens and maybe decide to be serious if other people are serious. Here's what I'm expecting. I think the next uh, presidential poll has to include him, doesn't it? Do you think Rasmussen can do a poll without adding Kanye to it? I think they'll have to do it both ways for a while. But wouldn't you like to see, on day one, how many votes Kanye would get in a three-way race? Wouldn't you like to see that? (laughs) I'd like to see it, because I think it puts Trump solidly on top. So, essentially, Kanye is the only one who would get to decide who's president. Let me say that again. We live in a democratic republic. In theory, everybody's got one vote, but you know we get our representatives and our representatives try to represent us, as, represent us as well as possible. That's the system we think we're in, right? That's the system you think you're in. But it's down to one person. <laughs> if Kanye runs, Trump is president again. If he doesn't run, according to the polls, it's Biden. The entire democratic system came down to one guy, and all he had to do was tweet. Kanye West wrote one tweet and took over the country, meaning that he gets to pick the president. If you think you get to pick the president, well, you're wrong. (laughs) You don't. Only Kanye gets to pick the president. If he bows out, probably Biden. If he stays in, probably Trump. It's just down to one person. (laughs) Now, could anything be more absurd? And it gets funnier. What is the biggest issue in the news that's not the pandemic? The biggest issue in the news is that we live in... uh, 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 white supremacist society. That's right. We live in a white supremacist society in which the only person who gets to decide who our president is is Kanye West. I'm not making this up. You know that what I just said is absolutely true. I mean, statistically, anything can happen, right? But as a basic fact, Kanye West is the only person who gets to vote this fucking year. And I'm not even unhappy about it. Are you? I'm not sure that's a worse system. If you said to me, Scott, there are two potential systems. One, in which the voters can be massively misinformed by the press, and then they'll take their massive misinformation to the polls, and then they'll vote in what will be largely a randomized process because nobody had good information. And then we'll add Russian interference and Chinese interference and vote rigging, and we'll get some kind of a completely non-credible result that half of the country thinks they have to have a revolution in order to overthrow it. That's our current system. The current system is what I just described, a completely non-credible system in which people are brainwashed for the wrong information, don't believe they are, vote anyway, and you get some completely random, ridiculous result. Compare that system to, let's let uh, Kanye figure it out. Let Kanye decide. 
Can you honestly tell me you get a better result from the current system than saying, how about we just try let, let Kanye figure it out? <clears throat> I don't know which one's better. If you say you know which one of those two systems gives you a better outcome, I think you're lying. I think you're lying. You don't know that. Now, what would be a bad system is to give one person complete power, right? Then you have a dictator, blah, 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 etc. But if it just sort of happened, <laughs> it just sort of accidentally happened that the only person who gets to make a decision is Kanye, I don't know. That might be okay. Let me blow your mind for a while, right? Here's the most mind-blowing thought you've ever had. Well, I guess I oversold it. Take that down, too. It's one of many mind-blowing thoughts that you might have over the course of your year. It goes like this. If Kanye is serious, let's say he stays in the race, here's my claim. He will be the first president we ever had that you wouldn't doubt his motives. Right? Think about it. We've never had a president where you didn't doubt their motives the entire time. Now, you might not doubt their motives sort of in general, but rather you doubt them on specific decisions. Like, well, that feels a little friendly to the big, you know, military-industrial complex. Or, is that a little bit racist? I can't tell. Or, did you just do that because your base needs to hear it, but you know it's not true? Think about it. We've never had any kind of president who at least the other team said, oh, I think they really mean what they're saying. We've never had that. He would be the first president who, when he said something, it could be brilliant, it could be not brilliant. But the one thing you wouldn't doubt is, did he mean it? <laughs> is it? Is it exactly what he was thinking? Yeah. Yeah. It would be the first time you ever had a president who you wouldn't wonder if he was trying to do the right thing. You wouldn't even wonder. He would definitely be trying to do the right thing. Why, why in the hell would he do it otherwise, right? You know, it wouldn't make any sense. So what would be in Kanye's best interest? Like even if he said, all right, Scott, you're being a little too, too generous here. Everybody's selfish. So Kanye's a person. He's a human being. So of course he'll have some selfish motives too. To which I ask you, what? What would they be? To make money? No. To improve his reputation? Politics isn't going to do that. To, what, feed his ego? <laughs> Kanye is exactly who, he's, who you see, right? He has, a, he has a big ego, which he earned by doing big things. I don't know. Is that a problem? doesn't look like a problem. So, anyway, he would be interesting. And uh, if I had to guess, I'd say, I don't know, it's 50-50 whether he's serious about this thing. And I'm not sure he's decided yet, so we'll find out. Here's a way to know if you are in a bubble. Um, I started the other day to make a list of people I thought were independent thinkers. And it was a pretty short list. People who you could depend on to look at the information and just come up with an independent opinion that is not the same as what the media is assigning to people. So there's only maybe, I can think of maybe 20 people. You know, and some of them are obvious, right? 
you know, you could pretty much depend on Mike Cernovich to have an opinion that's a well-thought-out opinion that doesn't match anybody else's, an independent thought. You could expect that of, uh, of you know, maybe a Joe Rogan or uh, Eric uh, Weinstein. You could expect it of, uh, you know, you can think of a dozen people. Michael Malice, Matt Taibbi. Uh, Tucker is a little... I think the people who work on TV news have a little bit of a constraint on what they can do. So, But Tucker would be a free thinker within that environment, yeah. Yeah, Naval would be an obvious one. Um, Matt Gates, surprisingly, for someone who's a professional politician, Matt Gates does seem to be able to take opinions that don't match up with his party's average. So I would say that, uh, yes. All right, so, uh, yeah, so you see a number of other names there. So here's how to tell if you're one of those independent thinkers or if your opinions have been assigned to you. Think about who your favorite news source is. It could be the network or it could be an individual. So you could say, you might be saying, oh, it's Tucker or it's, I don't know, Don Lemon or whoever it is. But think about who your favorite news source is and then ask yourself which of your opinions disagree with that source. If the answer is none... Yes, uh, Glenn Greenwald is another one. Bill Maher is another one. Uh, Gottfeld is another one. Greg Gottfeld. Yeah, yeah. The, the, and it's, what's funny is that you all come up with the same names. Like I, I didn't have to see that list. The list would look the same um, if you had just made it yourself. Rand Paul. Uh, I, I like. Yeah. Okay, I'll say Rand Paul. Yeah, I think we could add him to the list as a independent thinker. It's hard if your job is senator. You know, there's there's a limit to how much independence you can have as a senator. You you de- you definitely have to be in a team, but he's more independent than other people. Yes. All right. Um, so ask yourself that question, and in the comments, tell me in the comments if you just did that exercise in your head. Did you just discover that your that your opinions are exactly the ones that are being uh, assigned to you? Yeah, Elon Musk would be another one. Yep. Um, so let's uh, give an update on statue chess. So the president weighed in uh, about this Frederick Douglass uh, statue of he's an abolitionist was ripped from its base in Rochester, New York, and dumped over a fence or something. Now, nobody saw it done. Now, do you think if somebody took down an abolitionist statue and there's no video of it happening and nobody took credit, does that sound like the protesters did that or does it sound like a revenge? I'm pretty sure that's a revenge statue situation. That just sounds like somebody on the other side who said, well, you know, if we're playing chess with statues, I'm going to take one of your pieces. Now, I, I watch this with amusement because <clears throat> I'm not very invested in statues. So let me, let me explain that. If you make a statue and somebody rips it down, I can see why you'd be mad. And I can see maybe why the other person would be mad at whatever your statue stood for. But I don't really care. <laughs> I, want, I, I suppose I guess I want to care just because it's in the news. But I can't think of anything less important. 
Think about the fact that, you know, let's say your parents and grandparents grew up with problems like World War II. Now that's a problem. How about, uh, you know, how about, uh, you know, women can't vote? That's a problem. How about slavery? That's a problem. How about the Great Depression? That's a problem. These are big problems. Fast forward to today. Hey, somebody ruined a statue that my team likes. Well, we'll ruin your statue. That's it? Have we become such ridiculous whiners that we think the world is ending because we're having a chess game with statues? Do you know how many statues I care about? None. (laughs) None. There's not a single statue I care about. Well, I'll make an exception for, let's say, the, the Lincoln Monument you know, the, the ones that are, that are actually so famous, you know, the Mount Rushmore, you know, those are, those are special cases. But just a statue, a statue in a park that I never heard of, if you're getting worked up over statues, I think you're missing the bigger picture that if all that's happening is our statues are coming down, that doesn't feel like a big problem. Now, I understand the argument. <clears throat> Let me make the argument for you. It's part of a larger Marxist plan to first remove the, our symbolism, to you know carve away at our national identity, carve away at the psychology of patriotism until it's a softened up environment to make their big push to turn us into a Marxist country. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know how many of the protesters have that thought process. And let me ask you this. If we had something like a news organization, would you not see on the news one of these Marxists being interviewed? Now, they might lie and say, oh, no, that's not our plan. We just don't like these statues. But shouldn't you have somebody on there that you at least believe has that view so they can be interviewed? Let me ask you this. If you believe that the whole statue thing is part of the larger Marxist revolution, ask yourself why the news that you watch doesn't have any representative of that opinion on their show. I'm going to take this opinion until until facts change it, right? So I'll give you a temporary opinion. It goes like this. If you don't see an interview of somebody who has that opinion on any network... There's no network that has somebody on say, okay, you know, what you really want to do is introduce Marxism. Can you explain that? You know, tell us why you want that, etc. Where's that person? Really? You can't find one person? You should assume that it's just not true. Or that your news your news business is no longer in the news business and they don't want to show it to you. Because if it were true, at least Fox News would be interviewing that person, right? At the very least, you'd see the right-leading you know, publications have sit-down interviews with somebody who just tries to tell you why you know, their view of the future of the country is the right one. You don't see that. Which makes me believe that the whole Marxist story is just complete hallucination. Now, what would it take to change my mind? Here's a good question you should ask yourself all the time. Ask yourself this. This is my opinion, whatever the topic. What would it take to change my mind? Here's what it would take for me. 
it would take an interview with somebody who represents that opinion, and I could be convinced that they represent other people's opinion because they, they say they're part of a larger group or something. Now, if you say you've seen it, it's clearly not uh, something that's uh, well represented. They don't label them. Looks like Scott needs to find that interview himself, somebody says. I don't think the person exists. Likewise, when was the last time you saw a white supremacist interviewed anywhere? The reason is because they sort of don't exist. (laughs) Now, of course, the word white supremacist has now morphed into a whole different meaning. But in terms of the old time, people who thought that everybody in their group was superior to everybody in some other group, that just doesn't exist anymore. Because it's just too obvious that the very variety among people is so great that even if you can find statistically you know, averages that hold up when you do the math, it wouldn't tell you anything about an individual. There's, there's too much individual variation. So the old uh, supremacists just sort of don't exist. And if they do, they're just toothless people who haven't seen the news in 20 years. All right. I should not make fun of the toothless. Um, so Trump tweeted today. Um, I have to read the tweet. He said, uh, Has Bubba Wallace apologized to all of those great NASCAR drivers and officials who came to his aid, stood by his side, and were willing to sacrifice everything for him, only to find out that the whole thing was just another hoax? That and flag decision has caused lowest ratings ever. Now, the first question is, what was the flag decision he's talking about? (laughs) Because people are interpreting it to be the decision to get rid of the Confederate flag on race cars. But there is also a decision to allow people to kneel for the national anthem. So we don't know which one he's talking about. We'll see if he clarifies that. If he's talking about the Confederate flag, then he's obviously decided not to be president. But uh, we'll see if he clarifies that. If he's talking about the regular flag, then that's just him talking the way he talks. But the second question is, asking Bubba to apologize for something we know wasn't his fault, because we know he never saw it. He was told by somebody he trusted, the president of NASCAR, right? told him it happened, he believes a a very credible source, and then he acted upon it. And then when he found out it wasn't real, he he said, he released a statement that I praised as being really well written, which said, well, I'd rather look silly than to have this be real. Thanks for all the support. Isn't it great for all the support? One of the best recovery response statements by a, a celebrity... I've ever seen. It really was one of the, the model responses to somebody who messed up. It wasn't really his fault. So he acknowledges he looks silly. Says, well, I'm glad it wasn't the bad thing. Thanks, everybody, for having the right intentions and supporting me. I don't think it could have been better, really. So the president, reading the room wrong, or is he reading the room correctly, makes a statement in which he basically wrongly accuses a black man in public. Now, if you could ever read the room more wrong than that, I would say that accusing a black man of a crime he did not commit, because like I said, he was just acting on information that came from somebody else, and the way he acted 
was completely appropriate with the information he had as it came to him. So there wasn't anything he did that he needs to apologize for, in my opinion. So falsely blaming a black man in public today? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if your instincts could be much worse than that. Uh, now, I can see why it you know, riles up the base. You'd like to think it's not because of racism, but rather you know, he just represents somebody on the other side. But I don't know, this just looked like such an own goal that uh, you got to turn the... Uh, this one turns the, uh, the slaughter meter back. I think that turns it back to zero. Um, of course, the, the Kanye thing is the only thing that matters. So it doesn't matter what Trump does at this point, and it doesn't matter what Biden does. Probably. It probably doesn't matter. It probably only matters what Kanye does from this point on, because Kanye gets to pick the president. Um, Formula One drivers, who are different from NASCAR, if you don't follow the sport, Formula One drivers, in a separate story, um, some of them are standing and some of them are kneeling. I guess there was a race yesterday or something. And a few of them don't want to wear Black Lives Matter shirts, but they instead wore a black shirt that says End Racism, and they didn't want to kneel. Uh, They must have been during the National Anthem, but they were willing to stand there with their shirts. So now we're getting some nuance from people. I don't think that's going to go well. (laughs) Eventually those people will have to fight, I guess. I don't know. So the two biggest news stories in the country, I think you'd agree, are the coronavirus and race relations. Would you agree? I mean, the economy is always a story, but that's sort of a permanent always story. But in terms of really the most current of events, it would be coronavirus and race relations. Your news sources do not report useful data on either of those stories. The two biggest stories, and your news sources don't even try to report useful data. Let me tell you what would be useful data. The death count every day from the coronavirus. Instead, they show us the infections. Now, it's very obvious that if they show you the infections instead of the death count, and you, know, you can't deny that it's intentional at this point, both on the left and the right, neither of them will show you the useful data. Sorry, I'm going to have to go blow my nose pretty soon. Let me see if I can end this quickly. Um, for the coronavirus, if they don't show you the death count, they're just giving you propaganda and manipulation because that's an important number, you need to know it, and they're not telling you. It's very obvious it's intentional. Secondly, for race relations, if they really wanted to give us data instead of just riling us up, they would show us all the death counts over time and compared to things. They would show you how many cops are killing black people, white people, different, different colors. They would show it over time, they would show it by city, maybe state, Maybe show you by whether it's a Democrat mayor or a Republican mayor. That would be useful, right? Because you want to know if a Democrat or a Republican approach makes a difference. You would also need to see the number of people who were just murdered. How many black people kill black people this, this week and over time? How many white people kill black people? How many black people kill white people? If you're not seeing that, you're just seeing propaganda. Would you agree? It's just propaganda if you don't see the basic death counts and you're being just fed a story. All right. Um, I need to go. Oh, and then I guess uh, over on Fox News, they're turning against Trump as well. So there's a 
Uh, opinion piece written by Edmund DeMarsh. I've never seen him before, but he's on Fox News. Uh, at least an uh, opinion piece on their website. And he said that uh, this is his interpretation of Trump. So on a Fox News site, this opinion exists. Trump has praised the, quote, beautiful heritage of the Confederacy. Did that happen? Did you ever see Trump praise the, quote, beautiful heritage of the Confederacy? No. No, that never happened. He praised our beautiful heritage and the Confederacy and all manner of bad things and all manner of good things are part of our heritage. But no, he never praised the beautiful heritage of the Confederacy. And this is on Fox News, which means they've turned against him at least to some point. And then it also calls out that he, he called the protesters, quote, thugs. Now that's called out to call him a racist by implication. And that's on Fox News. So even Fox News is running an anti-Trump uh, Peace. All right, that's all I got for now. I've got to go take care of some stuff, and I will talk to you later.